0: My seven chakras, episode 96. Be yourself, stand up for something, and remember why you do everything. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras and
1: now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. Kumar. What's up action takers, AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras. Ancient knowledge, practices and tips brought to you by the power of technology. Now, firstly, I want to tell you that I'm so grateful to you for pressing the play button without fail and spending some time with me and my featured guests as we find ways to help you on your journey. And it's been a blast so far. We are just four episodes away from the Golden 100. We launched this show in October 2015. And what I've loved the most so far is reading the emails that I get from you guys. It's incredible to note how the information shared on this show is helping you get exposed to new topics and helping you transform yourself. My main focus is to find more and more ways to enable you to begin your human revolution. But in the meantime, just to recap what we've learned so far, I have a special gift for you. What I did was from the 95 inspirational quotes shared so far on the show, I've handpicked 27 of the most inspiring quotes and put them in a beautifully designed PDF that I'm sure you're going to love you could print this pdf out have it on your phone or on your desktop and make sure you read them out every single day in order to download this gift visit our website that's my7chakras.com/27download that's my s e v e n c h a k r a s.com/27download and then you can download that and get inspired. in Action Tribe, on this brand new day, I am proud to bring you our featured guest, Dr. Joni Liu. So, Dr. Joni, are you ready to inspire?
0: Yes, I am, AJ, and I'm really happy to help you to uh, help your audience enhance the quality of their life.
1: Wonderful. A physician, author, speaker, and brain expert, Dr. Joni Liu is an international leader in Chinese sports medicine and Chinese sports psychology. She's appeared in the USA and Canada on Fox, NBC, CTV and Global TV and at venues including Brain Injury Canada. So, Journey, I've given our action tribe a short intro, but take about a minute and fill in any gaps that I might have missed.
0: Well, I'm the founder of Extraordinary Sports Medicine, where we help top athletes keep healthy, happy, and productive in their sport and in their lives because whatever you're doing... You can't separate who you are. So I'd like to say that what I do is help people with their psychology, with their psychological and mental well-being because that's where it counts.
1: Wonderful. So thanks a lot for that intro. And we're going to talk about some really incredible topics today. But before that, we need to get into a mindful space so that we're able to absorb your knowledge in the best way possible. And we're going to do that with the help of an inspirational quote. So Joni, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this quote in your life.
0: Wow. My inspirational quote is really about be yourself Stand up for something and remember why you do everything. And this is a reminder for me every single day because it helps me to become a strong person because the reason is, is that we have to keep reminding who we are and why we are because we're going to have challenges every single day and or people are going to tell you, "Ah, oh, you're crazy or you're nuts. You know, you can't do that. I mean, why do you think you can do that? So you have to ignore people like that and you have to remain true and strong to yourself.
1: Wonderful. So be yourself, stand up for something and remember your why. And I think that's really profound. Once is not enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once you know your why, you need to keep reminding yourself on a consistent basis, preferably every single day so that it's registered in your subconscious and you know without a doubt who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and we're going to get to know more about your why or in other words your purpose as well but before that let's dive into the main portion of today's show. So what inspired you to write your book Heal Your Concussion? How to quickly and effectively get back in the game?
0: Gosh, you know, um, this particular episode in my life was uh, came down to what happened to my son. He had a very severe concussion that temporarily blinded him. And for two weeks, for more than two weeks, I didn't know that this was happening because he's a, a grown young man. He has his own place. So we don't see each other very often. So the night that he finally called me for help, it was a complete surprise to me. And I already had this healing process that I've been using consistently with my clients for the last several years, and I just knew that something could be done with a concussion because right now the usual protocol, unfortunately, is to do nothing, to rest in a dark room have no stimulation at all for three to five days. And then you're kind of hoping and praying that you're going to be better. But for a lot of people, that's not what happens. So it's much better to take action. And so that's what this book is all about. It's a stepwise uh, process in order to overcome the symptoms of the concussion and to start living your life in a normal way again.
1: So You mentioned that, Your son had a very severe concussion that temporarily blinded him. And you didn't know that for two weeks because he lived separately. But when he told you about the challenge, you had a sort of an intuition that you could solve it, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, before moving on, for someone new to this topic, what exactly is a concussion and what is PCS?
0: Okay, so a concussion is an injury to the brain. Okay, but it's something that you cannot see. So it's not like having, being in a motor vehicle accident where something goes through your skull. No, it's nothing like that. So it's usually not a structural problem, it's usually a functional problem. So you get mm-hmm. headaches, you might experience nausea, it, it affects uh, other parts of the body. And well, PCS is post-concussion syndrome. So if the symptoms of a concussion last for more than a few days or a few weeks, then you got a chronic problem. So then they diagnose it as being post-concussion syndrome.
1: Got it. So you mentioned that it's not like a physical injury. It's more of an internal injury. So the challenge is a person might have this concussion and the other people might not even know about it, right?
0: You mean people outside of them? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because you can't really notice the bleeding or whatnot. So unless the person speaks out or shares his or her challenge, the rest of the people, the people around him or her might not know.
0: That's kind of interesting because my son actually did tell me that when, because he continued to go to work, mm. that he asked his friends, you know, at work, do you notice a difference in in me? You know, do you notice anything that's different? And right. and they all said no. They they couldn't see it, but he was certainly feeling it.
1: Right, right, right. I, I completely get it because sometimes you have these feelings, this deep intuition that something's wrong, mm-hmm. something is not right. And at that point you depend on your support system, your friends and family, to really judge from outside whether you've changed. Right.
0: Yeah. Now, in his particular case, though, what he had was, OK, he didn't get his headaches right away. They took him off the field. OK, they put him on the side, off to the side there so that he would recover because he was uh, hit by a, a soccer ball. He was playing mm-hmm. soccer at the time. And so while he was on the side recovering, that's when he realized he couldn't see. And so imagine The terror that he must have felt because all of a sudden you can't see. Your life has changed right then and there. And Mm -hmm. so he waited. So he doesn't know how long it was. Maybe it was 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And then gradually his eyesight came back. And then he decided to go back on the field. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Which was a big no-no, I guess. But so he, he continued to do this. Until the end of the game. And then he drove himself home. And when he got home, that's when the headache started. And so he decided right away that he had a concussion. He knew he had a concussion. So he decided that he would just simply stop doing all his extracurricular activities. And the only thing he couldn't stop doing was going into his full-time job. So as you can see, he's breaking all the rules Mm -hmm. already right so by the time he called me it was more than two weeks everything had gone from bad to worse because now he wasn't sleeping so so much for resting he wasn't eating he had no appetite he had headaches almost all the time so he knew he was burning a candle at both ends and so he knew that even though it wasn't affecting him at work yet you know when you can't sleep what's going to happen over the long run right or even a short run in a few weeks he was going to be a basket case and then everybody would really start noticing because his performance wouldn't be very good you see he's a chemical engineer so he has a very intellectually heavy job and he was doing it throughout his concussion.
1: Mm-hmm. So what is the challenge with the current or modern approach to treating concussions?
0: Yeah, the problem is it's doing nothing. Mm. Because their own research is showing that when you leave a person hanging like that, okay, to themselves, that it actually creates more susceptibility to depression. Mm-hmm. And you see that a lot in post-concussion syndrome. You see a lot of depression, okay? And also... Uh, doing nothing also means that it could actually make the symptoms worse or make them last longer. So their own research is telling them that. So 90% of neurologists agreed last summer in 2015 that we need to have a treatment for these people. Mm -hmm. However, they don't have a protocol. (laughs) So it's great that they all agree that we need to do something, but they don't know what to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, getting into the solution, uh, you have a background in Chinese medicine and psychology. How is your approach different from the current standard? Firstly, you mentioned the current standard is doing nothing. So building on that, how is Chinese medicine or psychology, how does that really solve the challenge?
0: Okay, so... One of the fundamental things about Chinese medicine is that it makes you stronger. Because where you were when you began to have your disease state, when you started to get sick, was when you were weak. So you have to become stronger in order to overcome whatever it was that you had that made you sick. Okay? So in this particular case, we're talking about the brain. So, it's kind of funny because the NFL paid uh, a bunch of neurologists and neuroscientists $100 million to do research on coming up with a treatment, okay? And so, last spring, uh, I think it was 40 of these people, they had a big conference and they announced the the big answer. The answer was exercise. Well... The thing is, is that these athletes exercise for a living already. Exercise is not going to do it. I mean, they, they look at it and in terms of blood flow to the brain. But unfortunately, the brain is much more, is very plastic. It's actually very easy to treat the brain. If we use the research that they've already done in neuropsychology and neurogenesis, growing more brain cells, and also in neural plasticity, which is changing the brain. Because they're telling us now that we can change the brain and that our thoughts are very important. We have the scientific evidence. So instead of looking at only the physical, we should be looking at what you are thinking and what you are feeling. Because really, the brain is a very emotional organ. There's no two ways ab- around it. So we got to use that modern research in Chinese medicine, in combination with Chinese medicine, in order to change the thoughts that a person is thinking when they first got into trouble. Because they're, they're, my son was definitely having a hard time somewhere in his life before that ball hit his head, okay? <laughs> and And we knew that there were some issues that he was having, But we didn't know how bad it was until we got hit that day. So that's why we have to use the psychological part because the mind truly is everything. What we're thinking creates our world. What we are thinking has control over our brain and our bodies. The mind is the most important thing that we have that sets us apart from every other living creature. I think it was Bob Proctor who said something like, mankind has a mind, everything else you can find in a pig or a horse. And that's true. The mind is what sets us apart from every other creature on earth.
1: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that it's all about making the brain stronger. Yes. Because the thing is that when the person suffers this challenge, when a person has the concussion, the person is in a state of weakness. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, the recommendation that was recently uh, given um, as a result of these people who came together these experts was exercise but what doesn't make sense is that the athletes exercise for a living yes so the solution has to be something different and as you mentioned we need to really tap into neuroscience and neuroplasticity because the brain is capable of miracles but we need to do that in a way by focusing on thoughts feelings And emotions. Now for somebody who is currently experiencing or has a concussion, who knows somebody who might have a concussion, what is this is it a training, or how do we really increase that focus more on the brain plasticity? What what does it look like?
0: Yeah, very good question. Because what it really comes down to is what makes us unhappy, which is really a very simple definition for stress. Okay? There is no such thing as bad stress or good stress. It's all bad. And the reason why, when we have negative thoughts, is because it, it, that's what sets off a stress response in our body. So then we have all these stress hormones flooding our brains and flooding our body, okay, all at the same time. So it has different implications for different parts of the body. But for the brain, this is what it comes down to, because there's a certain part of the brain that creates all our brain cells, Okay, because we know that the brain is plastic and we know that we can grow new brain cells. So if we're so stressed out chronically due to a set of problems or even just one major problem in our life, then our cells start craving the stress hormones. And so we start going into this endless cycle. Now, the reason why stress is so hard on our brain is because it will actually start inhibiting that part of the brain from creating more brain cells, okay? So, your brain, stress actually shrinks the brain and kills brain cells. But if you can learn how to turn things around by becoming a much more optimistic person, which sets off Much more better neurotransmitters and hormones such as oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, dopamine, those things will safeguard your brain. Simply because, you see, these things don't just happen. These things don't just appear in our body. We actually have to feel a certain way. Just like if we feel bad, it will set off the stress response. Well, if we feel good, it will set off a parasympathetic nervous system response. So the parasympathetic is the part of the body that helps us to calm down and feel good again. So that's why we have to control our thoughts.
1: Wonderful. So there you go, action takers. When we have stress, we have all these stress hormones flooding our brain, flooding our body. And what happens as a result, if this is happening on a continuous basis, our cells start craving these stress hormones. And that really inhibits your brain from making brain cells, stopping your brain growth. And the solution is to become more optimistic, is to inculcate that into your practice because there's a mind-body connection. When you are more optimistic, you feel optimistic and your body language is also more of optimism and that releases certain wonderful hormones right like serotonin mm-hmm. oxytocin and what is the third one you mentioned
0: uh, there's dopamine and endorphins
1: dopamine wonderful i've i've been doing some research about uh, you know these stress hormones recently and uh, i've been uh, trying out ashwagandha which is a supplement that helps reduce the cortisol levels which is mainly responsible for stress and uh, on a side note, that's that's been working really well for me. And interestingly, in my case, sometimes I don't notice that I'm stressed.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. but
1: I work all the time. Yeah. And a friend told me that maybe it's you've gotten used to this level of stress. So it's not like alarming levels of stress, but then there is definitely some stress involved.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's why I was saying that your cells start uh, craving it. So they want more and more, but you don't want more and more stress hormones going Mm -hmm. through your body because for exact reasons that you just said, yeah, the body gets used to it. That's why it's so important for us to become more aware of how we feel, but not just that, about why we feel that way and what we are going to, what positive action we're going to take in order to remove those things that stress us out. That's the whole thing about classical Chinese psychology that is different from your usual psychology because for them, it's more about changing your behavior. Well... For me, it's about possibility thinking and moving forward on the things that bug you.
1: <laughs> That's
0: mm-hmm. Because then you've removed the issues that have become harmful to you and start replacing them with the things that you really want.
1: Wonderful. So moving on, what are certain mistakes that people make when they have concussions?
0: Following their usual MD,
1: <laughs> for mm-hmm. one
0: thing, because... You see, only 3% of MDs are are neural, neurologists, and neurologists, really, their real uh, quest in life is to do brain surgery. So they really don't understand how the brain works day-to-day, minute-to-minute. So following your MD is the biggest mistake that you can make, but instead, what you could be doing is don't stop everything all at once, Okay. Stop, you know, try and do everything that you're usual, that you're used to doing. However, if you find that something really is making you feel worse, then definitely stop that. Okay? So I would recommend trying to be as normal as possible, but being very aware of how you feel during this healing process. Basically, it's really a good idea Not to feel bad about it. Because remember, take it as another challenge. It's really important for you not to think that you are in trouble. Mm -hmm. It's really important because this is about the optimistic way of thinking. Okay? Instead of... Because the worse that you feel about a situation, the worse it is going to get. I can guarantee that. But if you can strengthen your mind... And and say, okay, this is a temporary situation. I'm going to get through this. So so it's very important for a person to get into the right mindset right away and not focus on all the bad things that are happening or that could happen. Mm -hmm. The things that could happen is imaginary anyways. And that's the thing because the brain doesn't know the difference between something that is real And something that is imagined. So something that is imagined that you feel bad about, it's called worry. (laughs) Okay? So the more you are worried about something that might happen, the more likely you're going to make it happen. Because thoughts turn your life into what it is. Okay? We cannot. That's inescapable. That's inescapable.
1: Right, right, right. That's so true. The brain does not know the difference between what is real and what is imagined. And if the brain could really make out the difference between reality and imagination, then movies wouldn't do so well. Because, you know, when you go to a movie, what you're essentially watching is a 30-foot gorilla on a screen. And when there's a plane crash, you You know, sometimes get scared or there's a knee jerk reaction, but in reality, you have 100 people staring at a screen, staring at some animation. So that's really profound. Now, taking a few steps back, how did you first get exposed to Chinese medicine and psychology?
0: Oh, goodness. I guess um, I was a professional engineer for 24 years. And one day I had a cancer scare. And I was, my reaction was not fear, it was anger. Because I thought that I had done everything that I possibly could in order to keep myself healthy. And as it was back then in the 1990s, as it is today, your MD will still tell you that a good diet and exercise is going to keep you healthy. Well, that's not the case. I knew that there was something missing, okay? And so I was angry because I thought my body had betrayed me. Mm And as I was researching cervical cancer, I was talking to a nurse and she told me that at the time in the 1990s, she said that the group of people who got it were those people who had multiple sexual partners who also had multiple sexual partners. In other words, they were prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, "Uh, no way. I'm a professional engineer. I'm a leader in my community. I'm a wife. I'm a mother of two young boys. That's not me. And I didn't realize until many years later when I was studying Chinese medicine that it was my mindset that had changed everything because within weeks, I was told that I was okay. Everything was fine. If I hadn't heard what I heard that day, I don't think I'd be alive today, honestly. I don't think I'd be alive today.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, based on your research and testimonials on your website, I know that you've helped numerous people around the world. What has been your most inspiring client success story so far?
0: I really have to say it was my adult son because of the difficulties when it's actually someone that you love and are very close to because oftentimes people, members of your family aren't going to listen to you. Because they know you as a different role, okay? And so my son listened to me. He, he did everything that I asked him to do, even when it absolutely challenged his comfort zone. And what challenged his comfort zone was the fact that he was having a problem at work with a new supervisor. It wasn't working out. He had friends who were quitting, and they were moving on to new jobs, but he didn't want to do that. He he loved doing the work that he did. He loved the company on the whole. He just didn't want to work for this guy. And so he was very confused, and he was very stressed out because he could not make a decision, mm-hmm. okay? So it takes courage to make a decision, but in his in his case – He he just didn't know what to do, you know, should I stay, should I go, but he didn't want to leave, but I didn't want to work for this guy either, so this went on for months, for months, until he got that blow to the head, and so, and it was on the right-hand side of his brain okay Uh, Mm -hmm. of the head above the ear and that's where in my medicine the gallbladder meridian runs through there it runs around the eye around the ears down the shoulders all the way to the little toe now the gallbladder in western stance you know this is about courage right you wow you got a lot of gall okay and so the gallbladder in Chinese medicine governs decision making And that's why courage and decision-making are connected. So because of his confusion, a head injury is always about confusion. (laughs) You're confused about something in your life. So now you get hit in the head and you're even more confused because you haven't dealt with the situation yet. So I had to ask him to set up a meeting with his boss on a weekly basis and ask him for what he wanted. You see, I had made many mistakes like this in corporate life, too. And I did not want him to make the same mistakes as I did. I wanted him to learn much better life skills so that he could deal with situations like this. And so I also told him, look, you know, you're the one with the problem. So you have to be the one to take the first step because this guy has no idea that you're suffering. You're the one who's suffering. So you have to take the first step. And then I said, okay, well, there's also no guarantee that he's going to do anything about what you've asked him to do. Whatever it is that you want him to do, there's no guarantee. So I waited. And he said, okay. But I knew it was going to be hard because he's a very quiet guy. You know, he's, he's just a very good worker, but ask him to do anything like this. This is totally outside of his comfort zone. If you know any engineers... I don't know if you are one yourself, but many of them are very quiet, okay? They're not about to blurt out stuff like this. (laughs) And so I knew this was going to be difficult, but I checked with him every time we met to make sure he was keeping his side of the promise. And I was his accountability uh, partner throughout this entire process. But he did it. And because he did it, he felt good. And he felt good because he was taking control of a difficult situation. He didn't have any control before. He didn't know he was losing control. And that was a big part of the stress as well because he was losing control. He didn't know how to take back control. So this was a very, very important step for both him and me on the road to healing concussions.
1: Wonderful. You mentioned that. Uh, people in your family, and this is really true, might not listen to you because the relationship that you have with them is not a professional one. But your son listened to you and he told you that there was a challenge at his workplace. He had a challenge with his supervisor, loved the job, but he did not like his supervisor. And that led to some confusion, which was further spurred on due to the head injury. But you gave him a set of steps to actually have those conversations, which were really critical and important uh, with his supervisor. And even though he wasn't really comfortable, didn't want to have those conversations, he did that and that made him feel better. So that's really inspiring. Now, from your study of neuroscience and brain plasticity, is there a simple yet effective health tip that you could share with our listeners to boost their brain health?
0: What's really important is that you have to have awareness of what you're thinking because most of the time we're acting things out in a very habitual way. I mean, the brain is set up like that too, okay? That's why we have habits. In order to have shortcuts, we don't need to think about brushing our teeth. We don't need to think about uh, the way we get up in the morning, you know, get prepare ourselves for the day. Mm-hmm. All of that is good because it saves us time. But we also have gut reactions to certain things which are not very healthy. And believe me, I'm still working on them myself too. But the thing is, is that it's really important to become aware of a feeling, of an emotion, of a negative thought as soon as possible. And then, and then you nip it in the bud or if it has gone to a certain extent where you are upset to just stay put Allow that emotion to just run its course until it dissipates, and then you are going to be calm enough because now the parasympathetic system has kicked in, you know, the oxytocin comes in and, and all that good stuff, so now you're calmed down. Now you can think clearly because one thing about not feeling good, not being negative and stressed out is that... We tend to get more stupid, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you can think clearly again, then you can think through a situation and decide, is this really that important? So that's a very simple tip because I have to go through this myself still sometimes. But the thing, and it does require practice, but the more you practice, the shorter time it's going to take for you to calm down and come back to your normal, usual, good self.
1: Wonderful. Thanks a lot for that tip. I'll have that in the show notes. Now, if you feel lost, disappointed, hesitant, or weak, return to yourself, to who you are here and now. And when you get there, you will discover yourself like a lotus flower in full bloom, even in a muddy pond, beautiful and strong. Now, this is a powerful quote by Masaru Emoto. It's so true, Action Tribe. The reason you might feel disappointed is because you are thinking about the past, something you can't control. You might feel hesitant because the pressure of the past is holding on to you. And all of this thinking makes you weak. And whenever this happens, remember to come back to the here and now because that is all we have. We can't change the past. We can't predict what will happen tomorrow. So when you remember the power of now, you will discover yourself and bloom like a lotus flower even in the muddiest and marshes of ponds. So, Journey, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. So, firstly, what was your approach, and then how did you overcome it?
0: Okay, I have it. It just um, actually happened this past week. Um, AJ, this is a bit of a story. So, I am trying to find somebody to write a foreword for my new book, Heal Your Concussion, uh, How to Quickly and Effectively Get Back into the Game. And so I just happened to find out about this uh, retired uh, uh, CFL player and found out that he was working downtown. Now, I already knew that he was working for a certain uh, bank, and I knew he was working at, at a certain branch in the suburbs, but now he had apparently moved downtown, and my husband actually saw him running up the street while he was going down the street. And so I checked out the map, found out where he was, and put together a package with my book, and put it together in a really nice way, and decided that I was going to deliver it to him on Wednesday, so that Wednesday. And I got there, and I thought it was the branch that he worked at, but... There was no 31st floor in that building. So I went back to the corner, <laughs> to the opposite corner, where there was a taller building and inquired in there. And lo and behold, yes, there is a 31st floor there. And in fact, it's the top floor. So I got into the elevator with my package and tried pushing the button on the 31st floor, but it wouldn't stay lit up. And so the other ladies in there told me, oh, yeah, just last week they closed down, they closed off that floor and you have to get escorted up there. So I had to go all the way back down and talk to a receptionist. Of the building, and she sent me to security. So, security uh, sent me back to reception. Reception sent me back to security, (laughs) and I'm trying to only be focused on my goal, which is to deliver it to this person. And so, I did not get upset. Okay. I did not give up. I just stayed with the course. So, security finally helped me, and they called up two people on that 31st floor including apparently the person that the package was meant for and so I waited and I waited and I waited meanwhile several people came in and out of the security area to talk to security desk and had come and gone delivery people everybody you know and so I finally went back to them and said okay, um, who did you talk to? And they said, oh, yeah, okay, no, this guy is coming. And then they looked at their their TV screens and said, in fact, this guy is coming down right now. And so I asked, well, who is it? And they said, yeah, the guy, you know, that you wanted to talk to. Oh, okay, I wasn't actually prepared for that. <laughs> so to meet him face-to-face. So I just reminded myself why it was important why I'm there, why this was important to me, what I was going to say to him, which was going to be more about him than about me. And he finally came through the doors. We had a good conversation. He accepted the package. And, and I left. And so instead of something that I thought was going to take 10 minutes, it took me an hour. <laughs> and the thing is, I did not panic or give up.
1: So looking back now, what is it one major life lesson that our listeners can take away from your story?
0: If something really means a lot to you, never give up. And also, perception is everything. Because here I am being told to go back and forth, okay? To, to do what I'm supposed to be doing and to let my perception not be clouded by pessimism or negativity, but to hang on to the reason why I am there and why it is important.
1: So thanks a lot for sharing your story. Because you shared your story, our listeners now have one more reason to not give up, to try harder and to take action, especially if that something means a lot to them. Action drive. once you find your why, your resolution to get things done becomes stronger. The midst of any confusion or ambiguity that might have been there clears off and you do only those things that get you closer to your mission. So even though you might be working longer than you were before, you feel at peace because you're conserving your energy for what is meaningful to you and you will ensure that you do what is needed no matter what. And that's probably why Benjamin Disraeli once said, I have brought myself by long meditation to the conviction that a human being with a settled purpose, must accomplish it, and that nothing can resist a will which will stake even existence upon its fulfillment. So my question to you, Journey: have you found your life's true calling? And if yes, what is your life's calling?
0: Yes, I found my calling. Last March 2015, I was taking a course called Speak to Sell. And one of the questions that the author asked was, what would be the outcome if your client did not accept your offer to help them and immediately it came to me it was suicide and then I cried and while I'm crying she's saying some of you will be saving lives and I'm and then I really started to bawl you know because she knew and I you know I'm listening to to um an audio program and yeah that was it just hit me like Lightning. And that's when I realized that I'm in this to save lives. Mm-hmm.
1: So was there ever a magical moment in your life beyond which you're pretty confident that your life was about to change? Let's hear that story.
0: Oh, a magical moment when my, yeah, that was the magical moment. That's when I discovered why I was here. That's why this is the reason why that I am doing what I'm doing and why I am so determined to get the job done.
1: Wonderful. I'm sure that was a really important and precious magical moment, especially since you were going through these emotions while the others were, you know, seemed natural, regular, right? And you had this very uh, emotional moment where you realized that what you were doing literally is transforming people's lives.
0: That is an awesome way to put it, AJ. That is so awesome.
1: And this brings us to the last round for today's show, which is called the Wisdom Round. And this round has just four questions. It's structured just like a rapid fire round. So are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Looking back at your life, what is the best advice that you've ever received?
0: Relationships are the foundation of everything that you do.
1: Name a personal habit that contributes to your well-being.
0: Being very aware of what I'm thinking and feeling, especially when I start feeling negative.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Johnny, what is your morning ritual like? What do you do during the first two hours of your day?
0: Okay, so as soon as I get up, I am writing down a number of things that I'm very grateful for because gratitude uh, definitely sets off the energy of the day. And then I start reading uh, or because I'm studying a number of books, um, I do quite a bit of reading of Course in Miracles or Hun uh, Yuan which is the lost heart of medicine. So I spend my time recalibrating my brain and my thoughts for the day.
1: Name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners.
0: Well, I just mentioned it. Definitely A Course in Miracles, which is very important to take as it is. It does not need to be interpreted in any way. You take it at face value, the advice that is given to you in that book. Don't overthink it.
1: The Action Tribe, you can access the show notes by visiting... My S E V E N C H A K R A S dot com slash nine six. That's my seven chakras dot com slash nine six. All right, Joni, before we say goodbye, what is that one thing that you're really grateful for today? And tell us the best way we can find you.
0: <laughs> I am really grateful for the loving, supporting husband that I have. And you can find me in LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook. In fact, I started uh, doing Facebook live on my personal. Profile recently. Mm-hmm. And you can find me at my website, www.drjonny.com, drjony.com. And I have a special little gift at drjonny.com uh, forward slash chakras.
1: So thanks a lot for that wonderful gift. There you go, action takers. What we've spoken about today is just a tip of the iceberg. There's so many more things that you could learn about, especially if you or somebody in your family, somebody who you know has had a concussion. And that knowledge will be critical, especially if you recommend this person to go check out Dr. Joni's work. So to claim your free gift, go to drjhony.com slash chakras, that's D-R-G-O-A-N-N-Y dot forward slash C-H-A-K-R-A-S. And we'll have this link in the show notes as well. So, Joni, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of ancient Chinese medicine and taking us one step closer to a human revolution.
0: Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You are listening to My
1: 7
0: Chakras. Go to My7Chakras.com Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.